0: So, hello everyone.
1: Uh, We are here at uh, MedPiper's HackerMist podcast. Uh, Today we have Dr. Shiva Kakileti. Uh, He has a degree uh, in electronics from IIT Guwahati and has a PhD in medical imaging uh, from University of Maastricht, if I'm not uh, pronouncing it uh, wrong. Uh, He has more than 18 publications in international journals around medical imaging, machine learning, etc. And holds numerous uh, patents, uh, both internationally and in India. So we are very, very happy to have him on our podcast. And what we want to discuss with him is his journey as an engineer, technologist, working in healthcare, how healthcare, working in healthcare itself inspires him, and the many questions around building technology in a, such an important area. What are the challenges? What are the fun parts, etc.?
2: Thank you, Vijay. And thanks, Dr. Shiva, for joining us. Thank you. So, uh, so like we said, that uh, the basic purpose is to create awareness around uh, the technology, the state-of-the-art of technology that we are using, that uh, maybe everyone talks about the kind of services that healthcare providers are providing, but no one talks about the kind of services that engineers and People from other backgrounds uh, that are there and were making a bigger impact. So we would like to bring those kind of stories to the forefront. And uh, I think Nirama is one of them. So you've been a part of the founding team. So, so it would be great if you would take us through the early days. Like how was it started? What was the idea behind it? And uh, what what was the one thing that uh, made you people think that this is something that should, we should start and we should uh, go
0: after? Right. So actually, this story backs to my previous company, which is uh, Xerox Because Center, India, Bangalore. So there, um, so my founder and the CEO, Gita Manjana, um, she has uh, some of her cousins uh, got breast cancer. So she was having this idea how we can create awareness among women. And as you know, uh, in India, the access to breast cancer is less. Even the awareness is less, but even the access is also less. So, if you want to do breast cancer screening checkup, you might have to go to top cities for uh, getting mammography mammography imaging to be done because they're typically costly. Mammography imaging costs around one CR to two CR, depending on the resolution and the equipment, right? So, Gita thought, uh, can we do? Can we find some other alternatives so that that would fit in Indian population? So with that idea, um, in Xerox, we started this as an exploratory project. So Xerox has this uh, culture of uh, uh, giving uh, the researchers opportunity to explore in these ideas, even though they don't have immediate business impact. So that point of time, uh, we explored and we found that uh, there is this imaging modality, which has been tried, which is called thermography. And it has uh, various advantages, like um, it is completely non-invasive. And it is no radia- It doesn't involve any radiation. So mammography, the disadvantage, uh, which uh, even doctors also say, is that it uses radiation. And there are uh, publications which say that repeated usage of uh, this uh, radiation-based test will increase the chance of uh, breast cancer. And that is the reason, if you see even uh, European guidelines or US guidelines, they recommend uh, the standard of imaging, which is mammography, only once in two years or once in three years, depending on the age, because of this radiation. So thermography could, um, you know, help in having an imaging modality which can be done any number of times because what it involves is we're just collecting the temperature that is emitting from the human body. There is no radiation that's being induced. That is a good advantage uh, with thermography. And the other uh, advantage which we found with thermography is that we can make the entire breast imaging privacy appear. So there are many research, uh, many surveys that has happened why women don't prefer breast cancer screening. What they have found is it's because of the embarrassment to undress is one of the reasons for 70% of uh, Asian women, especially Southeast Asian women, don't go for breast cancer screening because they have to undress in front of a technician. But because of this current thermal cameras, what we can do is we can keep a thermal camera inside a small room, ask the lady to go inside and we can control the entire uh, thermal capture from outside. So there is no technician or anyone who is uh, next to you when the screening is done. And what they see is the temperature values emitting from the body. So that is one advantage which uh, we felt that uh, would make uh, the Indian woman go for uh, uh, breast cancer screening. So with these advantages, uh, we thought we'll take, but there are challenges here because even the thermography is there, it is not a standard modality. There have been many studies which talks about uh, the variation or the subjectivity in thermography results. So it has been a challenge. So we have to develop, uh, you know, uh, using artificial intelligence, how we can reduce the subjectivity at the same time, retain the accuracy so that's what the problem statement uh, we started with uh, in uh, xerox Data center and um, due to some internal issues uh, xerox um, um, wouldn't want to continue this project so that point of time uh, um geeta uh, and along with me and two other colleagues we thought uh, should we leave this project or should we continue this project outside should we make a spin off um, because we know that there is an uh, impact and there is a need for uh, Indian market. For that reason, we all decided uh, we will go ahead outside and then start this as a startup. So that's the main journey of uh, Nirame. Definitely.
2: So there has been definitely an impact and the need is definitely there. So the journey has definitely showed that. Uh, uh, so you talked about uh, some challenges like Initially, so there were, there were privacy challenges on part of the patient and uh, on part of the service providers. There was a challenge of uh, accuracy and all. So, uh, what are other challenges? Like, uh, was it difficult to uh, so regarding the privacy aspect? So, was it difficult to talk to the patients and convince them that this is something that that is completely uh, because something that is controlled outside that people are not aware of, like you said, uh, there is an instrument in the room and people outside are uh, controlling everything. So was it difficult to convince them that all the data that is being shared outside is safe and completely private? Uh, So such kind of challenges and if any other challenges.
0: Right. So uh, frankly speaking, I think we haven't faced that issue because... uh, The way we design this Niramai test is uh, very privacy-aware. Like, you know, even when the woman sees it, they will directly know, okay, they are the only one inside the room. It it need not be a room. It can be simple partition, cloth partition, right? So they can see, and we are also, we also show what images we're capturing to them. So that gives them the confidence that, uh, okay, it's only the temperature values, nothing, uh, visual images or anything that's being captured. So that experience we have seen even in some of the camps, because when we say we are conducting a breast cancer screening, Mm -hmm. typically very few people will turn up like, you know, uh, maybe 10 people when we say that we're doing corporate camps or when we're doing uh, any kind of camps in apartments. Beginning, we only see maybe 10 registrations or something like that. But what happens is when these 10 people go outside and then they say that, yeah, this test is good, this is privacy aware, we have seen uh, in some days we had only some 10 registration but we ended up getting 40 50 people and we ended up uh, having one more day for breast cancer screening mm-hmm. so yes word of mouth is important in this any any kind of new test and um, but uh, the experience wise what we have seen is uh, we haven't faced much of an issue especially privacy awareness right right
2: so yeah Abhijay, you want to
1: say. yeah so i wanted to uh, talk about the very first beginnings right you told the story about how you decided to move out of xerox so right. how was the journey of doing the first test right this is the technology and obviously there there are going to be iterations there are going to be improvements but right. uh, can you talk about the first magical moment of you this was a person and we did Uh, temperatures like uh, thermal screening of this particular lady, obviously not talking about the lady, but how was the experience about in the team
0: about doing that? So, yes, when we heard about this uh, technology and uh, when we started research, obviously the first step is does it really work? Right? Uh, So we have, uh, this happened in Xerox itself, so we have uh, collaborated uh, with Manipal Hospital uh, ODB and uh, we have conducted tests there uh, what we have done was people who already diagnosed with breast cancer and before they go for a biopsy or mastectomy the surgery post- process we had taken these thermal images and yes uh, when we saw the images so we saw very good correlation as soon as we have captured the images we have seen you know um, even this happens even now when we go to new doctors so they, te- they give some kind of test cases in the sense that, you know, I know this patient has malignancy, but I'm not gonna tell which patient, but uh, from your test candidate. So same thing uh, happened the um, initial times also. So uh, after looking at thermal images, even we ourselves told, is there something here? So doctor usually tell that, yes, uh, this is where the malignancy is. So yes, that was the magical moment. Then, okay, then we thought, yes, there is correlation but it is not uh, an obvious correlation because not all the high temperatures are malignant so that's where the machine learning uh, helps so for that uh, the main uh, challenge here was because it is a new imaging modality unlike the existing modalities um, you know if it is something uh, X-ray image, right? We can directly go to hospitals or partner with the doctors because they already have uh, the images already. So we can just partner with them, get the images and train a machine learning model. But in this scenario, it is not like that. This is a new modality, which not many people in India use. I think there are hardly some three, four thermographers who practice uh, medical thermography. So in that way, data collection was a challenge for us because we don't have any data to build any machine learning model. And the recent uh, algorithms, like if you want to use deep learning, we would be needing thousands of data. So um, so what we have done was we have collaborated with small, small hospitals and um, uh, diagnostic chains. We got some data. We started with uh, traditional image processing models that is uh, based on the domain knowledge of thermographers. So we have uh, partnered with um, one thermographer who has been uh, doing this uh, since 1990s I think so he has explained us what are the criteria he will look for when uh, he diagnoses a breast cancer so we had multiple meetings and we figured out uh, some parameters this basically is called as uh, hand domain knowledge experience right so we take we have taken this domain knowledge experience and converted into mathematical uh, parameters Along with it, uh, from the thermal images we have collected, we also found some statistical uh, parameters. So, using these both statistical and uh, domain knowledge features, we have developed the model even with a low data set, and we got uh, initial results. And some of these models, with the uh, new and newer data, we had improved this model by using the recent state of that algorithms like uh, you know VNet or these kind of uh, deep learning architectures.
2: Right, right. So uh, uh, you mentioned about the uh, different uh, diagnostic models that, so there are current diagnostic models that uh, use some kind of technology and uh, there was a diagnostic model that you came up with. So just wanted to, uh, if you could give some more details about what is the core diagnostic engine or technology that is deployed by Niramai and uh, how different it is from the current or
0: the previous uh, models that then follow. Right. So if you see Niramay, entire solution, right, it is not only, you know, saying whether the patient or the participant has cancer or not. There are multiple things in it. So first, we have a set of machine learning models which would tell whether the images are good to upload. because this is an important step for any kind of medical image. You need to know what kind of, uh, you know, whether this image is good enough for analysis or not, right? So we have set of classifiers. So specifically, we check for, since it's a thermal camera, uh, the image has to be well focused uh, in order to get the accurate temperature values. So we have one classifier, which tells whether the image is focused or not. If it is not focused, uh, we let the technician know. So this way we can guide the technician, correct the technician in case of imaging errors. Another uh, quality check which we do is uh, whether um, the patient is cooled enough. What happens is uh, in thermography, because what we're collecting is the heat that's emitting from the body, right? If the patient uh, just came out from outside, then their body would be hot or if they're wearing tight dress, right? Even then, there will be false heat patterns. So what we typically do is we follow some five to 10 minute um, cooling procedure. So that uh, that cooling would erase these heat patterns, the uh, superficial heat patterns. So we have a cooling check, which would uh, tell whether the patient has been cooled properly and uh, that images are good enough for processing. And similarly, we have one more check, which tells because this is a medical imaging, right? We will be capturing multiple views. So uh, when we capture the multiple views, the labeling plays an important role. If you label it wrongly, we might uh, misdiagnose. That is, instead of if you if you tag a right image as left image, we might say left best has malignancy because of this imaging error, right? So to avoid those kind of errors, also, we have one more uh, ML classifier which tells whether the upload image is of that view or not. So we have these kind of quality checks, which basically filters out any kind of imaging errors. Once these are Checked and once these checks are passed, then it goes to again uh, one more uh, pre processing step, which we call it as segmentation. Because we are capturing the entire region from neck to abdomen, we need to only analyze the heat patterns only in the breast region. So we have a deep learning architecture again there, which automatically segments the breast region, followed by the ML analysis. The ML analysis, instead of uh, it directly predicting whether it is malignant or not, It also gives some kind of visual descriptors because um, any kind of uh, medical imaging, medical uh, diagnosis software, right? If we simply say yes or no, the doctor or radiologist would not be happy. They need to know why this machine learning model is saying it is positive. Is it because it is seeing something anywhere? If it is so, then where is it? Even though there is a mass, but why it is saying this mass as positive, but why this mass as negative? So they need to know some kind of parameters. So what we have done was for thermal imaging, we have found doctors could look for hot spots and vascularity. So the model which we, uh, which the classifiers which we have developed, they segment these from the thermal image. So doctor can clearly see the vascularity, and the doctors can see the where is the hot spots or high temperature regions that are there. Along with it, we also give some kind of quantifiable parameters. That is, uh, what is the temperature increase with respect to surrounding region? Because these are the things which doctor would like to see. If you don't give, they typically tend to calculate. Now, if you give it, it makes their interpretation faster. So, both these uh, interpretable parameters, as well as visual uh, descriptors and the final diagnosis. All these three are noble because in the literature when we see typically we ended up seeing only what is the accuracy, whether it is positive or negative. Right. But along with this, these two will play a huge role in clinical adoption of any kind of software. Right.
1: So do you think of your product or your uh, service as a way to calculate the risk assessment of a person rather than just give out a binary? Obviously, if there are strong binary uh, outcomes it will be immediately seen, but even for earlier people like people in their twenties, etc., would uh, Niramai's product be a good way to keep a tab on the risk that they are going through? Like if they are under risk of generating something, etc.
0: Right. Yes, that is true. So we have done a study on it, like uh, and there have been research also, which says that. Uh, the thermal abnormalities, um, I think this is one research uh, from Gauthier um, in 1980s. So the author, what they have done was, uh, they have um, uh, screened some 40,000 40, women and around 1,400 women, they were not positive at that point of time, but they have thermal sig- abnormal thermal signature, but mammography and other imaging modalities are negative. So they followed up these patients for uh, five years just to see if anything turns out. And interestingly, they found out that 33% of these women uh, were turned to be positive. So yes, maybe the thermal abnormalities uh, which we might pick up um, would serve as a risk uh, factor, but uh, we haven't done explicit research on it. Um, Those are still in the progress. But what we have also done is we had uh, released this um, We call it as health risk assessment uh, um, application. It can be accessed through WhatsApp um, and it can be even uh, going through niramai.org, we will be able to access that. So what it does is um, it takes some of the risk factors that is based on the patient's age, BMI, risk factors, right? Uh, um, Age menopause, menopausal standard risk factors, um, family cancer history, so we capture this and try to give the risk of that woman based on these risk factors, um, what, what is the chance of getting cancer when compared to the mean population in that age group. So we have developed this service and uh, we have is this. So this is the one reason for is to create awareness, right? If they have a higher risk, because uh, what we see is uh, if you have more family cancer history, the risk score would be high. So in that scenarios, we recommend them to go for regular, more frequent screening compared to a man with uh, you know, normal BMI or no family cancer history or uh, you know, number of ch- um, breastfed child childbirth uh, is uh, more. All right? So in those scenarios, uh, we will give general recommendations. But in case of these uh, abnormal risk factors, then uh, we would uh, give them more customized
2: messaging. One more thing uh, I'd like to ask uh, was, what is the affordability aspect of it? Like technology, whatever machine learning and artificial intelligence that we're talking about, they all come at a price. And bring that, okay. currently it is still an evolving phase. So uh, they must incur some kind of charges and costs. So how affordable it is right now? and from the future point of view, also like how do you see it growing in the future, and how people will be able to afford it and get the benefit out of it.
0: Right. So the affordability, uh, one main service which we give it to hospitals. If we see that it is uh, close to one twentieth the cost of mammography machines, this is what we're talking uh, the deployment in hospitals, and uh, we had solutions for. Uh, we are trying to develop solutions which can even uh, go to gynecologists. So these would be costing uh, under a lakh, maybe uh, the pricing are not completely, but it would be less than a lakh. And we had like subscriptions models. Uh, so what happens would be the person, the doctor or a gynecologist or a doctor, right? They don't have to buy the machine upfront. They can rent it and then do the screening and then they can pay on the go, like you know, for each. Uh, test they conduct but they can um, do some portion to the Niramai, and then so this way we are making it more affordable so using this transaction based service but if you see the overall cost wise also it is like uh, less than 120 and we have this mobile attachment which uh, i said it's under a lag so it's a simple mobile attachment device or we have a setup box also which you can connect to our android phone or iphone And we had developed an app, uh, which we call it as My3. So from that itself, uh, we can do the entire screening.
1: So talking about the technology itself, right? we have spoken about thermal as a new modality. So apart from breast cancer, do you see uh, its uh, implications in other diseases, early screening, or other kind of applications?
0: Yes. So thermal imaging, would be a good imaging modality to screen any kind of uh, superficial, uh, you know, skin diseases. So what uh, we have, uh, what we are working uh, with uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is a project called Onchocercasis. So in other words, it's called River blindness, um, which uh, basically caused by an Onchocerca worm so it forms a nodules and they grow up to like 15 centimeters, 40 centimeters, and it eventually leads to blindness of the person and death of the person. So this is a prominent disease in uh, African and South American countries. So since uh, these nodules, most of the nodules are superficial and it has uh, higher metabolic activity and the vascular activity. So we had collaborated uh, with them and we got a funding from them. To see if thermal imaging can detect. And the initial results which we got were very encouraging. So there is one definitely one imaging, one application of thermal imaging. And in the research, people have seen it applicable for skin cancer detection because any kind of cancer is nothing but abnormal growth, which means it has high metabolic activity, vascularity, right? Okay. So skin cancer could be one potential use case, head and neck cancer. And people have used it for diabetic retinopathy, to diagnose diabetic retinopathy. Foot ulcers or um, pain management is another uh, area which thermal imaging can be used.
2: So can we assume that uh, Neeramai, so these are the areas like diabetic retinopathy and skin cancer, these are the areas that we'll see Miramai working on in the future or in the coming years or anytime time in
0: the future. Yes, definitely. So we had roadmaps for all these. So we are already collaborating with some, some hospitals and getting the data for head and neck cancers and other uh, cancers. Um, but they're still in early stages. Uh,
1: talking about... okay. Uh, moving from technology to your own experience right like uh, how have you experienced this journey uh, and nirmay being like a deep tech company where these screenings have to happen uh, for people have to be confident and have to move out etc how was the period of covid for you because uh, obviously uh, there might be a lot of frustration around not being getting to do so many screenings etc So for the breast cancer thing, like how did you spend your time? Did you uh, use the time to improve the technology or how did you manage?
0: Right, yes, COVID has been difficult for I think most of the medical startup companies because the number of screenings or the number of people coming to hospitals for checkups have reduced significantly. So what we have done, uh, we have done two things, three things. Uh, One is uh, we introduced a new service called home screen. That is screening at your home. So, what we have done, as I said, is a simple portable camera. You can uh, literally carry in laptop bag, and all we need uh, is some kind of uh, air conditioner or cooler, which is also portable. And we have designed a portable booth that is uh, to make this privacy aware, uh, make this imaging privacy aware. We have designed this portable booth, which can, which we can carry it uh, on hand with hand, and uh, we can set it up. Uh, in the patient's home and we can do the imaging. So this uh, to make it uh, work, the initial uh, sometime we have taken uh, so that this entire thing has to be portable because otherwise we would need more people to carry that, that and then deploy. So how we can make it uh, uh, portable and how we, how we can make it sturdy also, because it should not be like once you set up, it will fall down <laughs> and it has to be easy to set it up because we should not take more than uh, 30 minutes uh, if you go inside a home, it shouldn't take more than 30 minutes to set it up, take the images and come back. So that also we had uh, multiple iterations of the products and finally came up with a product and uh, we have released this uh, uh, last year uh, during COVID. And we have seen active particip- uh, participation uh, for this home screening. So that is one which we have worked. The other angle which we have worked, as I said, uh, improving the existing algorithms because now we already have the data and it also gave us a time to, not to worry about the incoming data, but we can release the models quickly because no one is using at this point. So that also, that is one area which we have worked. The other area we focused is how we can help in this COVID. So we had worked on two products, one is fever test, So this is nothing but uh, automated uh, COVID screening. So we had, um, because we already use thermal imaging and thermal imaging is typically used in many airports and other office places for uh, screening the um, people entering the spaces. So we had come up with this uh, automated um, thermal screening. So we had even deployed in multiple locations in Bangalore so we automatically identify the temperatures of the persons walking inside and we uh, also uh, have an alarm if they're not wearing the masks. So this solution is developed and uh, we also collaborated with uh, Art Park and um, ISE to develop uh, an AI-based solution for diagnosing uh, COVID-19 from X-ray images. So we wanted this service uh, to be available even to the rural areas. So for that, we have developed a WhatsApp-based uh, service, which we call it as X So the, the radiologist can simply WhatsApp the image to the x number. And within 15 minutes, uh, the radiologist will get a report saying uh, whether uh, you know, the, there are any COVID-19 uh, symptoms there or not. This we found it uh, very helpful, and we got very uh, we received very good feedback from the radiologists because one uh, autopsy test often delayed initially in the earlier stages. It usually take two to three days, and the doctors were worried what to do in those period, right? And this helped them because the, if you see the radiologist to uh, population, right? Most of the radiologists would work uh, in metropolitan cities. And even, in, even with that also, the ratio is like one is to 100,000. So to, to solve this gap, right, we have taken the radiographers who are, uh, you know, who are people who will be taking these X-ray images. So we ask them to upload these X-ray images to our XSA to application. And we at least use an interim uh, report. And also even for radiologists, because COVID-19 is something new. So even radiologists were trying to find out what are the parameters or what are the things which they have to look and accept to diagnose it is, um, it is COVID-19, right? So for them also, it was very helpful because this gives them as, uh, you know, double uh, result kind of thing where if they think positive and the uh, algorithm also saying positive, then they'll be more confident in saying that this is the positive. So we have released this service for free and we had received like in some days we have received more than 2000 x-ray images per day so that was the scale we were talking about
1: so uh again i spoke about your own experience right so yeah uh
0: you're
1: developing these deep technologies for healthcare and so much of it is under development uh and we like we are kind of coming from a doctors community point of view right uh, here at medpiper and germumed what would what was your experience uh, or is your experience working with doctors like what are the range of reactions that you get and uh, like what have you learned from it like how hard is it to have these conversations where they also have to adopt these new technologies right
0: right i think uh, interacting with uh, doctors is always interesting as well as it will be challenging Because if you want to work with doctors because um, the number of patients visiting them, it will not be an easy task, like, you know, getting uh, the time which we need from the doctors. Um, Because when you're starting any research, you would be having more questions. Like, you want to know many things. But whatever you do the research, uh, you will end up having more questions, but you will not be able to solve those questions. Uh, uh, You'll not be able to get the answer. So, yes, uh, we had to wait for the doctor's time and then we had to understand other, more about the domain knowledge. And then the other task would be how we would be getting the data. So for the data also is a major task, uh, especially in medical domain. You can't go simply and then collect the data. So you need to have proper uh, approvals from the hospitals, You know, some kind of ethics committee approval, scientific committee approval, which again often takes place not like every month or so. Some in-home hospitals they will happen every six months. So you have to wait for the timeline, you have to convince the doctors, everything is fine. Then once you get the approval, you'll be starting the data collection. Even with data collection, there are many uh, regulations like um, you you have to explain to the um, patient about the entire test and you would take the consent form and you have to make sure that the data doesn't have any personally identifiable information. Right. Once everything is done, then you can collect the data. So this itself was a very challenging process, especially when we thought of collecting data, because as a researcher, you would want billions of data points. Right. But getting even hundred patients of data might end up uh, one uh, you know taking one year of your time. So yes, that was a very challenge. Uh, you know, getting the right doctors, right? Getting the time to understand the domain knowledge and. Getting the approval from hospitals, then you will be getting the data. So this uh, sometimes uh, the first clinical trial which we have conducted, I think took around two years of uh, time, and to collect two hundred fifty participants of data.
2: Wow.
1: And what about uh, after you have proof? Like just a small joiner to this question. Now that you have growing amount of proof, this is data collection and proving your technology. And now, if you have, when you have started increasing pile of proof to show your doctors, these, this is our successes. How hard it is to convince them? Ki, okay, adopt it now, because this is so much proof. Uh, there is so much development outside also. Probably this is the future, which is better for the pa- end patient also.
0: Right. So again, uh, here there will always be this inertia because you we are using one imaging modality for diagnosis you would always question yourself, why to take this, uh, another new modality? So, and again, you'll you'll be skeptical also because you're more comfortable with an imaging modality, right? So why to take an additional risk and try a new imaging modality? These are the standard questions which we get. So typically how we go with that is, uh, we show them the publications uh, which we had uh, published uh, in top tier journals, and we show them the clinical trials. Even then, once they're satisfied, uh, we would ask them to conduct some kind of pilot studies, which is nothing but we will uh, do this imaging uh, when they are uh, doing the normal test. And then we show them, you know, this is the report which we are getting with uh, this NIRAMI test and uh, you can compare with the other test. So once they're comfortable, and then we talk to them about uh, how we can, um, how would be the partnership or collaboration be. But yes, compared to earlier days uh, where we don't have any results, now definitely it is slightly easier, I would say, because initially it was like uh, you know we have to convince them to uh, part, you know come and then participate in this study, <laughs> like you know help us to get the data because we don't have any uh, results to show. Whatever results we have, it's all it's all done by other researchers, not us, right? So we had to convince them it works just. Uh, let's see. So that kind of uh, in, initially it was a difficult, but uh, later once we had patients, we had conducted clinical trials. Now it is a little bit easy.
1: And one Thank last uh, question, uh, Shiva, I would have is uh, for the people who are listening, right, both doctors and engineers who want to enter healthcare, the whole theme of our discussion, what would be your advice to engineers as such, trying to enter into healthcare, Uh and trying to kind of become successful in healthcare, uh, what should be the attitude they should have, or what what kind of things will they will eventually face? They what should they be ready for?
0: So what I would say because this is one question which I get from many uh, researchers is the lack of data, because people would want to use deep learning or any kind of uh, you know good architecture, the recent architectures which requires data and. They would end up saying that you know i'm not able to work because um there is not, not enough data so i think we should not be scared about the data whatever data we have uh, there are multiple there are different approaches if it is not deep learning there are traditional uh, domain knowledge features which you can use so we should not fear about data and we should always uh, make it as a bootstrapping algorithm right You start with some basic approach, implement something, deploy it, get the feedback, iterate it, do multiple iterations of improvement, and then get the final product. So never assume that uh, you would be getting good results in your first attempt. It it is a gradual uh, increase you would see. Even in many of uh, the algorithms which we worked, the initial results were mediocre. After that, we saw great improvement. So, but that requires patience as well as continuous uh, iterations of uh, experimentations.
1: Amazing, amazing advice. With that, uh, Doctor Shiva, thank you for participating with us. Uh, okay. Thank you from the whole team at Medpiper and journal Yeah,
2: so thanks a lot, and we'd like to take this forward and uh, have more interactions.
0: Thank you. Thank you for giving this opportunity. It was great
2: interacting with you.